Right. Yeah. We're praying for you too, brother. Right. Miss Joanne, we're praying for her. Her blood pressure has been dropping this morning, praying it stays up. Richard, you had your hand up. Unspoken request. Somebody else? Here. Okay. Are they are they anywhere close to here? Okay. I think so. I, I knew of a good church if they were around here somewhere. Hopefully, 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 Lord, leave us for a recommendation on that. I'll see what I can find. Uh, yes. Anybody else? Um, anybody else for the Lord? Your niece as well. Uh, I've got a number of unspoken requests. But uh, as we get ready to as we get ready to give, you remember to give to the Lord this morning, as the Lord has prospered you to give, and uh, let's give to the, let's give to the work of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Richard, lead us. Amen. You can be seated. Number 70, the unclouded day. Oh, the land of an unclouded day. 
speak to us and teach us today and give us what we need from the Word of God, and we'll praise you for it. We'll thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. I, I, I'm again. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you to uh, to understand that. Hey, I didn't plan this out to do this on Mother's Day. Not that it really matters. I, I know Mother's Day is not a. Uh, it's not a religious holiday. It's a governmental holiday. Uh, but anyway, let's read here. First Corinthians chapter five, and we'll read a couple of verses, and then we'll we'll stop. Okay. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily as present, I'm sorry, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. We'll go on through it as we get to it, but I want to just deal with the issue at hand because Paul is dealing with the issue at hand. If you remember, when we started this book out, I reminded you, I told you that this is a very wicked church. This is a very carnal church. This is a church full of sin. This is a church that's in a sinful city. Corinth was a very, very idolatrous city. Okay, Everywhere you look, like you drive through Clarksville and you see church steeples sticking up, you see churches here, there, and yonder, all over Clarksville. If we had drove through the city of Corinth, we'd probably see temples here, there, and yonder all over the place. And, again, it's a great big city. I'd liken it to Chicago or New York or something like that, and, and just full of every kind of person from every walk of life, from every country, and uh, every religion on the face of the earth was represented just about there in Corinth. It was the original sin city. Las Vegas ain't got nothing on Corinth. Corinth was the original sin city. Uh, one of the temples there in the in the uh, the uh, sea of Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite, and, uh, and Aphrodite being the goddess of love, supposedly it was it was so very rich. It's one of the richest temples ever, and the reason it was so rich, it, they had uh, employed what they called courtesans, uh, over a thousand of them. They were really just prostitutes that, that were raised and dedicated to the temple. They grew up there. They raised there. They, they employed them. They were slaves, basically, but they but they worked as uh, as uh, prostitutes, for lack of a better term. And uh, that was the worship, if you can imagine that society, that kind of society where they would go to a brothel, more or less, to worship. And, uh, of course, they would go there and feast upon meats and and, and and all kinds of things. It was a party, basically, but they called it worship. And that is the culture that Paul went into and began to win people to Jesus and uh, establish a church there. And so, Paul, well, I want you to look here in verse, I want you to look at this verse 1. Paul, oh, it's just going through getting on to them about them being 
very fleshly in their in their choice of leaders and teachers. They they their their view of a teacher was somebody who could speak real good, wasn't necessarily anybody could anybody could say. And so they were very critical of Paul and and basically saying the way you live, man, you you live like you you know you ain't got nothing. Uh, you you're you're in prison a lot. You, you seemingly don't care what happens to you. They looked at him as though he was a fool and though he was weak for being that way. And then he turns and looks at them and he says, hey, listen, it's, it's reported commonly. I want you to get the, that phrase there. It's reported commonly. Now, this doesn't mean that church letters, church people within the church at Corinth are writing letters furiously to Paul saying, oh, you've got to do something about this problem we've got in our church. That's not what Paul's saying when he says it's reported commonly. It means if you ask anybody in Corinth, they could tell you that your church is full of a bunch of of philanders. Your church is full of a bunch of fornicators, Paul. That church that you established there got people committing adultery all in it. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's because they came out of a society that was very permissive. They, They got saved out of a society that made those kind of activities normal and viewed it as normal. Um, you know, we messages of Christianity within our world. I mean, you can't just go into a convenience store and and, 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 and buy firearms and drugs and and, and, and and all kinds of illicit materials. I mean there are still some standards. And and as wicked as Rome was, as wicked as as the Grecian world was, they still had some standards too, even though they were pagans and heathens. Also, it's, it's commonly reported among those people that there's fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles. Y'all are so wicked that there are heathen people that are going, my goodness, the Christians are horrible. I want you to think about that. They were doing things, there was things going on Now, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about fornication. That's what the word is right there. He's got it two times right there in, in verse 1. Fornication in within the church. Well, we need to define what fornication is. Fornication, according to Webster's um, 1848 dictionary, is the incontinence or the inability to control oneself, the incontinence or lewdness of unmarried persons, male or female, also the criminal conversation of an unmarried man with an unmarried woman. Now, we understand what criminal conversation means. That means they're they're doing things, having relations they ought not be having. So that means that kind of a thing, sexual relations between unmarried persons, with, say, teenage kids or people that just ain't married, period. doesn't matter how old you are. Can be grown people, can be older people. Doesn't matter. It, it, they're just not married. That's why it's that's why it's referred to as fornication. Uh, and also, uh, it, it's 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 that kind of relationship between, uh, like I said, an unmarried man with an uh, with a uh, a married man with an unmarried woman, or a married woman with an unmarried man. Either one would be considered fornication. Also, incest is also considered fornication. 
some forms of adultery are, for, are called fornication, and idolatry is called fornication. When one leaves the worship of God and begins to worship an idol, that's also considered fornication. And just so you understand, demonic is associated with fornication. Demonic activity is associated with idolatry. Idolatry, demonic activity, fornication all go together. Anywhere you see idolatry, idol worship, you will see fornication being brought into the picture. Uh, then you have the word adultery. Well, there's a distinction between the two. And, and adultery is simply this. Adultery is, is sex with somebody else who's married. So, it, it, again, you had a lot of horrible behavior going on in this church. Um just think about the testimony that church has. What a testimony. Not There's a good church down there on that corner. It's don't go there, somebody might steal your wife from you. Don't go there, somebody try to take your husband away. Don't go there, they're doing all kinds of lewd things down there. Man, they, they make us embarrassed. They make us blessed to have that church down here on that corner. That's the way the world was looking at it. And Let's again. I, as bad as I hate to do this on Mother's Day, God God's involved in this. I've been preaching through this book. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't arrange this without a warning. But God knows what He's doing. I couldn't preach on hell today. It would have been a lot better, right? I heard a preacher say he preached on hell every Mother's Day because that's the one. That's the only time some people want to come to church on Mother's Day. So that's why he did it. But anyway. But again, notice here it says in verse one that this this kind of fornication is not. Nobody, nobody among the Gentiles, and again, I don't want to bog down here, but I want to point a few things out to you. Notice he called, he named them the Gentiles, okay? Now, this is a church full of Gentiles, right? So in the world, you only have three different kinds of people. I want you to realize this. You have Jews, you have Gentiles, and you have the Lord's church. And that's it. There's only three kinds of people there are in the world. If you're not, you say, well, I'm a Gentile. Well, if you're saved and you're in the Lord's church, you're not a Gentile anymore. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. If you're Jewish and you got saved, you're not a part of the Lord's church. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But if you're not saved, you're either Jew or Gentile. So, so anyway, so that's why he refers to it is there's not so much as named among the Gentiles. The heathen world don't do that, that one should have his father's wife. Now, I want you to understand this is probably not his birth mother, Okay that he's married to. He's married to this to this person when it says have his father's wife. This means his dad had married another woman, and they had a marital relationship for a while, and then his dad had had divorced her for whatever reason. It doesn't tell us. Maybe he stole her from his dad. I don't know how it happened. But long story short is he ended up marrying who was his stepmother. And people went, oh, horrible, and it is horrible. Amen. It's, it's horrific. It doesn't make any difference if she was his birth mother or whether she was not. It is horrific just the same. It's still fornication. And God is never okay with fornication or adultery. Can I say that again? God is never for or okay when he turn a blind eye or wink at adultery or fornication. Can I get an amen? You know what God wants people to do? God wants people to get married and stay married. Amen? Do you know that pictures the relationship between Christ and his church? That's why God established marriage. Not to be a cheap thing we throw away. Our salvation is not a cheap thing. Our relationship with God is not a cheap thing. 
It's not a cheap thing at all. So marriage should not be a cheap thing either. Amen. Uh, you know, again, God is against fornication. Uh, Look over in chapter six, if you would, with me there in verse thirteen. In verse thirteen, the Bible says, "Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats." But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Our, our body down here is to glorify God with. It's not to fornicate with. It, it, but God did not design us for that reason. If you look down in verse 15 and 16, uh, that's that same chapter, it says, Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ. Amen? I'm saved, therefore Christ lives in me. So he is, he is living inside of this body, inside my spirit. So my body is a part of Christ at this moment, amen? And yours always too if you're saved. He says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of the harlot? God forbid. But what people don't realize is that when they fornicate, if they're, if they're a Christian, they're taking God in the very room with them. They're taking God right there in the, right there in the very room. Who in the world in the right mind would do that? But yet people do. I know some people say, a Christian couldn't do that. Oh, yeah, I David, David was a believer. David done it. Uh, I guarantee you, there's plenty of people that have done it. Uh, it doesn't make it right. And God is judged. God judges people for doing such as this. But it, I, can, I can guarantee you, there's been a plenty of people that have done it. Verse 16, that same chapter. He said, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? There's a, there is a... You know, the Bible talks about when a husband and a wife come together, they become one flesh. Well, that means everybody you fornicate with, you become one flesh with. He said, what? Know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For the two, saith he, shall be one flesh. And we're taking a life that belongs to God and joining that with a harlot. That's what was going on here, basically. Uh, you know, Look over chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, next book, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Another place Paul deals with such as this. He still did. Uh, notice this is the next letter afterward. This is some time has passed. And in chapter 12, verse 21, Paul Paul's still speaking on this subject. He says, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness, which is horrible sexual wickedness, which they have committed. So this was rampant in the church, and Paul's way over here saying, I'm afraid I'm still going to come down there and, and, and have to get on my face and cry out and blubber before God. They're waving their sins in the church because it still had not been rooted out all the way over here in Second Corinthians chapter. Galatians 5. I'm fixing to get to moving here in just a second, but I'm going to cover this pretty good. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 through 22. Galatians 5, 17 through 22. The Bible says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are these, are manifest, which are these. These are the works of the flesh. It says adultery and fornication. Those are the first two. 
uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is horrible sexual wickedness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wraths, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the, listen, again, the top two of these were committed in Corinth. And the heathen world found it shocking. Shocking. Now, what, what, is it, what is the Corinthian church, how do they feel about it? So the rest of the world thought it was shocking. Well, let's look over here and see what the Corinthian church is thinking about it. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Paul said, and you're puffed up. You're puffed up. What, what, they, they were so self-assured. They were so, they were so, they were so wise, so, so cocky, so, so prideful, so unaffected by the scandal that was going on in their church. Paul said, the rest of the world stands back in awe of this garbage that's going on in your church, and y'all are prideful and swole up and puffed up like y'all are something. Can you imagine? Would you visit this church? I don't think I would either. I don't think I'd want to attend there. I don't think they liked Paul writing to them about these things. They they, they criticized him. They didn't like the way they didn't like his attitude toward them. Uh, there was some of them like, who does he think he is? Going to talk to us this way. You know, again, they didn't mourn over this. They didn't mourn at all. Paul, so that's what he was saying. Y'all had mourned over this. He said, you have rather not, not rather mourned. You should have been weeping on the altar before God that this sexual sin was in your church and people are turning a blind eye. You know what I think? I think this fellow had a little money. I think this fellow's family might have been a little prominent. Maybe they, maybe they were on the town council. Who knows? Maybe they were big business people. But I think there was some power and some influence in the church. So a lot of times when that's the case and you got a one family in a church who, who really are wealthy and they've really done a lot of donating to the church and they got wickedness in their family, the preacher's afraid to say anything to them because he don't want to run them off and lose the givers. And, and, of course, don't nobody else want to run them off because they're a big family in the church and one of them leaves, they all going to leave. And, and so they sit there and they tolerate that sin and God is the one who, who's, who's done wrong. You know, the Bible talks about stuff like this, First John 2, 15. If any man, you know, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So they didn't mourn over it. Again, it didn't grieve them that this hurt God. It grieved them that it would hurt them if they did anything about it. So, again, they didn't want to do anything about it because they loved the world more than they loved the Lord. It didn't bother these people to go to church with this guy. They'd shake his hand, pat him on the back. How you doing? Good, good to see you, man. How you doing, lady? Shook her hand. That's like it was no big deal. Um, you know, there's been a lot of times in the Bible things like this happen. There's one time I remember not too, uh, not too far back where, where something like this happened, and a preacher spoke up against it. Y'all might remember John the Baptist. Uh, you remember what he told Herod about him having his brother Philip's wife. Says it's not lawful for you to do that. In other words, what is he saying? You're a fornicator. That's what you are. And when Paul said that, you know what, I mean, I mean, when John the Baptist said that, you know what they done to him. They cut his head off. Amen. They don't like somebody pointing out sin. Amen. And these people didn't like it either. But you see, Paul wasn't wishy-washy on the subject. He said, 
He said, for I verily, now y'all feel that way about it, but me, I verily, I'm not there with you as absent in body, though. I'm not there, but present in spirit. He said, maybe my body ain't there, but in, but in spirit, I'm there with you, and I have judged already. He said, this is a terrible testimony for this church. There's no way to excuse these actions. He said, I've already judged, so I will present concerning him that has so done this deed. Now notice verse 4. We start traveling now. We're going to the finish line. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name, this is what he's saying, we all get together. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the Lord's authority. Now, here we think we see some church, some church discipline taking place. By the Lord's authority, representing Jesus' person and his will. And by the way, that's our duty. We are here to represent Jesus' will and his person. We're here to do his will, and we're to represent him as though we were his hands and his feet and his mouth. Listen, we're, 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 to, we're to represent the Lord. So that's what Paul's saying. When you go to church, you're there for the Lord. You're not there for yourself. Amen. So representing the Lord Jesus Christ and by his authority, he said, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's in his power that we do anything that we do. Matthew 18, 19, and, uh, 18 through 20, Jesus said these words. He said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed on heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So he's saying, listen, when you when you and I, we come together in this church and we agree on something, God says, all right, I'm with you on it. If we if we if we agree to Depart from something, Jesus said, all right, I agree with you. He agrees with us on the decisions we make as his body when it comes to things like this. <clears throat> so so verse 4 there, he said, listen, you do this in the, in the power of the Lord. Well, what are we to do? Well, here's what he said they're going to do. Look at verse 5. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So what are we going to do with this man who has who is married his daddy's wife and has committed fornication, and there's no way for him to write the situation where it's not that way because he entered into the wrong relationship to begin with, and it's hideous that it's going on in the church, and we can't allow it here. So what are we going to do about it? Well, he's going to have to be kicked out of church. He's going to have to, be, he's going to, have to depart from the fellowship. He can't go there no more. He said to deliver such a one on the slate. In other words, that's what it's going to live like the devil here going to the church. Uh-uh. We're not going to bring folks living like the devil into this church and go, go to church with people living like this. No. No. What? He needs to live like the devil. That's not what he's saying. When you read that, don't immediately let your mind go there. Read and see what it's saying. He said to deliver him unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. My flesh is not going to heaven. 
your flesh ain't going to heaven. My flesh, if I was lost, couldn't go to hell. And your flesh wouldn't go to hell if you were lost. It's not our flesh. Listen, it's our, it's the internal part of us that's going that's to live forever. So when he says here to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, he's talking about as long as a guy's going to church there, he's kind of in that protective bubble there amongst the believers, right? He's under the brink of the Lord of God. He's, he's, he's there in, in a place where God's hopefully blessing or working. But I'm not saying that everybody is in church. Then they go somewhere else. Well, probably because it's the only church in town. It was the church of Corinth. There wasn't four or five of them. So when Paul says the destruction of the flesh, I believe there's more to it than that, too. I believe it's an apostolic curse that's put on this man because of his sin. And I'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, you remember Ananias and Sapphira? Peter pronounced what was fixing to happen to him. He pronounced that he was fixing to drop dead right there in the church. And what happened, he dropped dead right there in the church. Sapphira walked in, and he, he, he basically said, you could have dropped dead too. And she dropped dead right there in the church. He put the, he said, well, what kind of power is that? I don't know, but God evidently gave him power, apostolic power to do such as that because it, it sure happened. And then you take in Acts 13, verse 11, here's a Lemus, the sorcerer, who was asking for the power of the Holy Spirit so that he was able to go heal people so he could get rid. And, and Paul put a curse on him, and he was struck blind. And that's somebody lead him by the hand. Paul put a curse on him. Uh, and, then, and then you look at, and then in, in, uh, in First Timothy chapter one verse twenty, Paul talks about Hermeneus and Alexander that caused him much harm, and he was going to and he was going to teach them not to blaspheme. He turned them over to Satan that they may not learn not to blaspheme. He doesn't say what happened to them, but there was some kind of curse put on them. <clears throat> so there was some kind of an idea. He had some kind of ability, and I don't know what happened to him. And I don't know what kind of, if he was stricken with a disease or what happened to him. But something came upon him because of the sin that he was doing. Preacher ain't able to do that. Amen. I know y'all are. They'll put a curse on you this morning. No, I don't do such as that. But uh, I thank God for that, too. Amen. I'd hate to have that responsibility. But that certainly took place. So this young man was kicked out of his church, and now he's got a curse on him. I don't know if it was some kind of a, some kind of a bodily disease he got as a result of what he did or, or what took place. But but I, I know the Bible says, Romans eight thirteen three. if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit and mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And, and so if, if, we, if we get rid of the filth that's in our life, we have God's blessing on our life. Whereas if we're trying to drag through this life carrying the old filth that we have in our life, you don't have a curse on you because sin brings a curse with it. And all of these things with God, understand something. They weren't just being mean to the guy. They didn't just run him off. They said, well, we don't like him, so we're going to get rid of him. All of these things are done with the hope of restoration. Okay? The hope is that he's able to be restored. And listen, Satan's allowed to have his way with him. He's out in the world. I mean, he's going to get kicked around. Without a church family, a believer gets weak. And I know you know that if you've missed any church. You get weak in this out of church. Uh, all the more if you've got a curse on you. 
And so what we're seeing here, we're seeing tough love that's, that's, that's put on him in hope of revival in his life. Notice it says that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now that's not talking about his salvation, understand that, because he was saved before. You don't get saved again. When we read that, we need to understand what he's saying. His life, he's got a life to live, okay? He's got, a, hopefully, a testimony someday to be able to restore. If, if he's turned over to the devil so that he gets the smart kick, that's for him to restore. Spirit. A person's depressed, their spirit is in a bad shape, right? You know, they, 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 they just don't have no spirit in them. They just all defeated. Okay, well, a spirit can be cast down and destroyed like that, but it can also be restored when they get back right with God. So that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the soul saved. He's talking about a spirit being restored. And then so when Jesus comes and he faces Jesus, he'll have something to show for it, his life. That's what Paul's referring to there. Verse 6. Now, we're going to truck it. We're going to go. All right? I know y'all keep pointing, well, it's already time. But anyway, he says, your glory is not good. So they were proud of themselves. They were bragging to Paul about all that they knew and all that they were doing and everything else. And it was just all a bunch of empty crowing. It's all they were doing. Uh, you know, after they, after some further examination, they figured out, hey, listen, we're not all that at all. Or at least they, uh, they may not have figured it out, but Paul sure did. You know, in Galatians 5, 9, he says the very same thing. He says about a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. And he says, don't you know that? Don't you know that, listen, all you got to do, I don't know if y'all, I mean, I'll make bread, but I mean, if you make it dough, if you get a little bit of leaven in there, you leave it alone, what happens? Rise, it swells up, right? Okay. He's referring to, and y'all know we take the Lord's Supper. Is there any leaven? Yeah, right. So that's why he says a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. You let a little bit of sin. Y'all keep patting him on the back, shaking his hand, saying he's all right doing what he's doing. Pretty soon you'll have 15 other people in your church doing the same thing. You'll have people say, well, he's doing what he's doing. I'm doing the wrong way. I'm doing So well, you, I heard you got a bootleg and I'm going to have a problem with it. Well, that's what That's how it happens. That's how you wind up with, with the Catholic Church. You let a little sin in, a little more sin in, a little more sin in, pretty soon it's all sin. That's how it happens. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. So here's what he says, verse 7. He says, he says, therefore, he says, or he says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. How do you do that? You tell him to hit the road. Take that stuff out of here. Don't be doing that in here anymore. That you may be a new lump. Well, you get rid of the one who's doing the wrong, then you got people in there who ain't doing the wrong. As ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, again, referring to unleavened bread there, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. That means, our, that, that means us fellowshipping with Christ. That means us right with God in our, in our relationship with him. Let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven. We can't bring back our old flesh and worship God. You can't come up here and worship God with sin in your life. Unconfessed, unrepentant sin working in your life. You're not going to come up here and worship God. You can't until you get that out of the way. Amen? You're, you're wasting your time otherwise. You've got to confess your old worldly ways and desires to God. 
We need to be constantly searching to remove the leaven of sin from out of our lives. Again, when they were getting ready to have the Passover meal, you know, they had to search the house and search the house and search the house to make sure there was no leaven at all in the house because it's a matter of life or death. God wants us to search our life to get to get all of the, the sin out of our life so that there's no wickedness in our life to continue to grow. God wants us to constantly be making sure that that's removed from our life and especially removed from our church. Uh, verse 8, he said, Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Again, we can't fellowship with Christ while acting like we used to. We just can't. He said, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he's comparing, he's comparing malice and wickedness to leavened bread and sincerity and truth to unleavened bread, which is without sin. But when sin is entered in, you've got malice that enters in. Again, which is the opposite of sincerity. Malice is, is, is lies and trickery and all those things, trying to take advantage of somebody else. And and wickedness, which is the opposite of truth. And again, when you start letting a little bit in the door, you'll let a lot in the door. And that's how you get these, these things that look like the world and call themselves churches. Uh, verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. And I don't know where he wrote this epistle because this is the first epistle to the to the Corinthian church, but evidently he wrote him a letter before that wasn't counted as scripture. But again, he said he wrote to him and told him beforehand, don't keep company with them. Get away from them. But I want you to notice verse, verse 10. He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. Paul is not Paul is not talking about don't ever go around somebody who's that way because this world's full of people like that. You know, you wouldn't be able to get a job nowhere if you were trying to completely avoid the people who are sinners in this world, the, the people who live this way. Again, there are people like that on your job if you work somewhere. There are people that you go to school with if you go to school somewhere. I mean, there, there are people everywhere you go. You go to the gas station, get gas. You, I guarantee you, there's a fornicator somewhere in the building or on the property. That's just that many of them in the world. It's everywhere. People think nothing of shacking up, uh, hooking up, whatever they call it. It, it just it happens all over the place, all the time, and nobody bats an eye. But God does not wink at it. God calls it wickedness. And these fornicators... They're as babes in Christ. That's what Paul's referring to. That's why he called them. He called them. I think he talked to you like real people. I talked to you like a bunch of babies. They ain't got no more sense than to do things like that and do it knowing how God feels about it. So, so I know we can't avoid them everywhere in the world, but you know what? That's another thing where we're turning a blind eye, blind eye to it in church to a sinning brother. He said, oh, well, I won't say nothing about it. it ain't no bad. I, I, I'm a sinner too, so I, I should not say anything to you. No. Listen, there's some things that are grievous, hardly grievous to God, and we ought not just okay it. Verse 11. He said, But now I have written unto you not to keep me if any man that is called a brother, notice that part, be a fornicator or covetous 
or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. I want you to see that Paul is Paul is expounding upon the sins of this one particular man. And you'll see that he's talking about him. So he's telling him, I've told you, don't you keep company with this man. This 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 man that's called a brother. He's a fornicator. He's covetous. See, he want, he saw his day. Evidently, his daddy had married a pretty woman, and he thought, man, I, 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 wish, I wish I'd have found her first. So he ended up stealing her from his dad, evidently. So he was covetous in that regard. Not only was he a fornicator, he was covetous. He was an idolater because, you know what, he put that above God. His relationship with this girl he knew was wrong. This woman, he put that above God and went ahead and done wrong anyway. It didn't bother him at all to do that. So he made he made an idol out of that relationship. And he was a railer, which means somebody who would, would scream and yell, get in your face. Evidently, he didn't like nobody talking to him about it either. He'd attack you if you tried to talk to him about it. Evidently, he was also a drunkard, man, because he was a drunkard and an extortioner. I don't know what all he's doing, but the Bible, the Bible gives a clear indication of, of, of how his how his heart was, and God, God says, listen, you ain't got no business fellowshipping with that man. You shouldn't go out and eat with that guy. You shouldn't invite him over to your house. You shouldn't spend time in, in, in social activities with somebody like this. See, God has something called shunning that God teaches us to do. It's not that we're to be mean to somebody like that, but if somebody like that is going to be a bad influence in our life, if somebody like this is going to be a bad influence in the life of our family, our children's lives, or have an influence over us, God says just avoid them. Just don't have nothing to do with them. Just avoid them. If they want to know why, let them know why. Ain't got nothing to do with you personally, but your choices I can't go on with. And you know what? And, and again, if they want to look at you like you're judgmental, well, they just go right ahead. I had somebody call me the other night. Who've been drinking? And first, one of the first things out of their mouth is, "I know you're gonna be judgmental." Well, what'd you call me for? <laughs> you could have called someone else out of drinking. What'd you call me? It didn't make me no difference. It didn't hurt me none, but it sure wasn't making God happy. I can tell you that. But let's get done here. So he tells him to stay away from somebody like that. Now, verse twelve, he says. And what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? Paul, in other words, Paul's saying this. Paul's saying, you know, I really ain't concerned about what the heathen are doing. It's not really my concern. They, 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 they're living how they're living. But you know what? I'm focused on the, the actions and the influence of this one guy, this one fornicator. That's who I'm talking about. He said, everybody else, they can do what they're going to do. But verse 13, he said, But them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. We need to always remember something. This is the Lord's church. It's not our church. It's the Lord's church. I'm going I'm to finish up with this, this thought. When I was in Paris here, and I've told you this, but we had a, we had a girl in our church. Her, her parents didn't go there. And uh, he told us a long story over the course of many weeks, uh, trying to get people to feel sorry for her, uh, that her sister had a baby, and the baby got sick. Her sister's baby died. 
And when we tried to find out about arrangements flowers, we found out the whole story was a big lie. And it wasn't the first time the, church, the girl had lied to our church to try to get favor from our church. And when I tried to talk to her about it, she had one bit of repentance in her whatsoever about it. And so on Sunday night, I, I stood up and told the church all about it. And uh, I told her, can't come back here. And uh, it was hard. Hard thing to do, you know. Made everybody in there extremely uncomfortable. One of my one of my best men in the church who stood by me and took everything. It was all he could do just to contain him. Hurt him so bad to have to do. It's not something pleasant. That's the discipline of church They have to turn him over to the devil and say, "If you want to live like it, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to hurt the church, if you want to misrepresent God, if you want to, and, and you got no shame at all, then you don't need to be here." It's hard. It's hard to do that. But again. It has to be done sometimes. And, uh, and, you know, again, it's God's church. It's not our church. Jesus' body was his own blood. And he has a right to be jealous over Amen? And we have a right to be jealous over it for you. Amen? So I brought that me- this, this message to you, and I know it's a somber one. It's a serious one. But what, what I want us to take away from this this morning is we need to make sure that our hearts are right with God, that we're not letting pet sins linger in us. Because understand, a little leaven, it does. It does leaven the whole lump. I can tell you, this guy probably didn't start off all those things that Paul called him. He probably didn't start off raving and drinking and everything else. But I can tell you, when he, when he had the wrong kind of lust, he began to act on it. Thank <laughs> you. 